Hello and welcome. We are in our last week in the series Communicating His Story, Let's Talk. And today, let's talk about truth and power. We'll be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 for 11, 1 through 11. We'll be visiting a couple of other scripture passages as well from the book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians. Let's start. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, concerning all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, appearing to them for forty days and speaking concerning the kingdom of God. Being assembled with them, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, of which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they looked, he was taken up, and a cloud received him from their sight. While they looked intently toward heaven, as he ascended, suddenly two men stood by them in white garments. They said, Men of Galilee, why stand looking toward heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you to heaven, will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. <clears throat> well, of course, time and technology change, but generally speaking, people don't change that much, obviously. At the time that this was recorded, when it actually happened, there was no such thing as a podcast. And so technology has changed quite a bit since these passages in the Bible were originally recorded. However, um, people don't change much. There's always some constant unchanging things, especially among Christians. You know, there are, we need to be looking where in our lives for areas we can improve, obviously, but there are some things that are constants for us. And one of those is that Christians have, carry, have carried the message of Jesus to the world and been his witnesses since the day he spoke the words we just read. That's an unchanging thing. The gospel message has been, is currently, and always will be the same for believers. The way we take that to the world will adjust with times and technology, but the message remains the same. The followers of Jesus we read about in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, uh, well, at least at the very beginning of the book of Acts here, had Emmanuel to teach and guide them. And the name Emmanuel is the name given to Jesus by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah and also Matthew in the New Testament. And Matthew, actually, this that was in my reading um, just day before yesterday. But the literal translation of the word Emmanuel from Hebrew is God with us. That's what the word Emmanuel means. We've heard it. Um, there's a Christmas carol we sing it in. can't remember off the top of my head which one. Is it Silent Night? I think, yeah. Um, but it has the word Emmanuel in it, and it just means God with us. And when we read the Gospels and the passage we just read, the apostles, disciples had Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. When God came as the man Jesus, he was in a physical form like you and me. 
And he taught his followers. He had a tremendous impact on their lives and the lives of others and even the culture itself. And that was carried down through time, which is no small thing at all. Coming from someone who has changed cultures a couple of times in my life to imagine someone to have such an impact that changes a culture and a lasting impact over literally millennia is an amazing thing to consider. In this passage, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus ascends back to heaven, and we won't visually see him again until he returns. And as they're standing there, a couple of angels say, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus will come back in a similar manner to what you just saw. And the implication there seems to be now go and do what Jesus said to do. But before Jesus was taken up, this is what he said. This is what he said to go and do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's the last thing he said before he was taken up and a cloud received him from their sight. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come and you will receive power. Now, what does that look like? What does that power look like? Because that's sometimes, oftentimes, a controversial topic. There's been whole denominations and uh, formed around those things. And when it comes to what does the Holy Spirit look like in the everyday life of a believer, it ranges from everything from uh, the far out charismatic craziness to uh, the far out I don't know, uh, fundamentalist, um, almost idea that the Holy Spirit does nothing in the world, but neither one of those are, are correct. And as Christians, we understand that communicating his story, talking about Jesus involves telling the truth, sharing the truth about Jesus with other people, in particular, the truth about what Jesus has done in our own life. That's what it means to be a witness is to talk about what you've seen. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us that enables us to accomplish that mission. And it's the Holy Spirit working in us that produces spiritual fruit. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. An empowerment specifically for the purpose of being his witnesses. And something we learn from that is Jesus is saying, you have to be empowered for this mission before you'll be able to carry it out. Go and wait because you won't be able to to do this on your own. You're going to need the help of God, the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping we can better understand what that looks like in the everyday lives of believers like you and me in a meaningful, understandable day by day way. What does that really look like in the daily life of a Christian? And the mission of believers is being witnesses for Jesus and the Holy spirit empowers us to do that. But what does it look like when Jesus was with his followers in the gospels, he was with them physically. Obviously you read about that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Uh, the first four books in the New Testament. 
they could speak with Jesus. They asked him questions. They saw him interact with other people, communicate with people. And Jesus tells his followers that when he leaves and is no longer physically present, the Holy Spirit will come and be with believers spiritually. Jesus had physically limited himself, and uh, that involves being in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit's not limited to that. He can be with all believers everywhere, all the time, throughout history. I remember a class when I was in seminary um, many years ago now, but one of the other students asked a question about the Holy Spirit, and I don't even remember what that question was, but the student referred to the Holy Spirit as it, and the instructor corrected him, saying, don't call him it, it's him with a capital H. So the Holy Spirit is God. Like Jesus is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one. The point is, as believers, we still have Emmanuel. We still have God with us as the Holy Spirit. He indwells believers, empowers us to carry on and achieve our part in his mission, to live in obedience and be his witnesses. And that's true today, just like it has been throughout Christian history. If you are a believer, you have God as the Holy Spirit living in you. When you are saved, God comes as a Holy Spirit. He seals himself to you. And I kind of think of it like he comes in and he starts cleaning things up, sweeping the floors, patching the holes in the walls, helping us grow in him. And we see in the gospels, the disciples walking with Jesus and speaking with him, asking questions, et cetera. And, you know, any Christian is going to think, wow, that'd be so great to be able to do that. But we don't want to discount what we have today in the Holy Spirit. Today we have prayer, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we have the Word of God in the Bible. So it doesn't look exactly the same as it does in the Gospels, but it's not that much different either. Believers today still have God with them in the form of the Holy Spirit. Truth and power come together in the lives of believers indwelt by the Holy Spirit as we live our lives in obedience to Him. And the question we're asking today is, what does that look like in the everyday life of a believer? It's something we need to meditate on something we should think about. What does it look like when a believer is communicating and living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit? And there's a a lot of aspects to consider in that, many things we could touch on, but we're going to be, we don't really have time, obviously, to to cover all those today, but we're going to talk about a couple of things, um, a couple of aspects of that. And first of all, the first one really is, First and foremost is you need to be a saved believer. You need to know Jesus as your Savior to have that special relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God, that a believer has to be saved, to have put your trust in Jesus and what he has done for us through his shed blood on the cross and paying the price for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. And if you haven't done that, that's something that you 
need to seriously consider. You can pray wherever you are. It doesn't matter. God's right there ready to listen and make you his. So first of all, you need to be a saved believer. And right after that, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. But that doesn't mean everything you say or do is directed or empowered by him. Everything you say is not um, directed by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we do or say things that are not in line with his will for our lives. Sometimes people say and do things claiming, you know, goofy things like God led me to do this or God led me to say that. And that's obviously not true. And that's often a product of a strong emotion or desire being confused with the will of God. And that's something else we need to be aware of. Not every strong emotion is God's will. And we're all capable of confusing those things. It's part of human nature. There are many adherents to many different religions, religions, even Christians claiming to be acting on God's will who are completely missing the mark. Um, Strong feelings don't necessarily equate to God's will. Matter of fact, they can even get in the way of God's will. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And there's different words for different kinds of power. And this one that is translated here specifically means the ability to achieve. So the Holy Spirit gives us or empowers us with the ability to achieve the mission Jesus has given us. So the mission is achievable because the Holy Spirit empowers believers in such a way as to be able to achieve it. And there's another word for power that means power as in strength, physical strength, moral strength, even even mental strength. And that's a different kind of power. So we can gather that achieving the mission uh, Jesus has given us to accomplish isn't reliant on our strength, our morality, and our mental ability. Now, those things can be part of it in different ways, but they don't determine success. We don't accomplish the mission Jesus has given us under our own power, through our own morality, through our own strength, through our own mental ability. And that's good news because that means successfully doing what Jesus has told us to do is not reliant on our own abilities. We apply ourselves in that, but success isn't reliant on us because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually achieve what Jesus has told us to do. And we use our abilities as best as we're able, obviously, and they do come into play and they're part of that, but successfully achieving the mission is not based on our merit. Kind of like salvation, it's not based on our merit. If we try to accomplish what Jesus wants us to do under our own power, we will definitely fail. And I've been there many times trying to achieve success in ministry by my own abilities. And that leads to struggle. You can try it for a while. You can sustain those kinds of efforts for a while, but eventually it wears you down to a point where you just can't continue doing that. You can look at the Apostle Paul, for instance, and he had a lot of merit. He had a lot of ability. He was highly intelligent, 
And you know, judging by the things he survived, he was probably physically gifted as well. And you know, I think Paul is a bit of a sports fan by the illustrations he uses, talking about running a race and boxing match and things like that. So he was probably a, a somewhat even physically gifted, mentally, physically. Um, he was a smart guy. He had a lot of education. He had a lot of ability. He had a lot of merit. And that definitely played a part in his ministry. He was able to talk to people that other people wouldn't have been able to talk to. But churches were planted and success achieved. People were saved because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to achieve the mission that Jesus had given him. And, of course, the Holy Spirit working in others as well. Sometimes I think the thorn in the flesh that Paul talked about was something God used to remind Paul that it was being empowered by the Holy Spirit that achieved the mission of Jesus. So we don't achieve success in the mission of Jesus through our own strength and merit, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news. That means that anyone can successfully serve Jesus in the mission he's given. God doesn't need to rely on our abilities and merits, and that's encouraging. That means as a Christian, you are qualified and God makes you able to carry out the mission of the church. And there's a part for you to play in that. And I think that's awesome that everybody has not only the opportunity, but the the genuine empowerment to be successful in it. God doesn't require something beyond your strength or your abilities. But what he does require is your cooperation. And cooperation, that may be kind of a light word. Uh, Maybe obedience is better, but either way, he requires your willingness to work with him and to submit to him. Without that willingness to pursue a life of obedience, to discipline ourselves, to practice spiritual disciplines and discipline ourselves, to follow Jesus, being empowered to carry out his mission won't happen. It's interesting because God will allow us to make our own decisions and and get in the way of that. But what does that submission, obedience, and cooperation look like in the everyday life of believers? What does it look like to be led by the Spirit? Again, I said it's, it's often a controversial thing, and there's all across the spectrum different ideas about what that is. But we're going to talk about one aspect of it today. Um, Maybe we'll come back to more of these later. But the Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that might be familiar to you, but it tells us what it looks like when a believer is led by the Spirit. And this is what those verses say. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and that means like the fruit of the Spirit working in a believer, this is what it looks like. This is what it produces. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. That's what a life empowered by and submitted to the Holy Spirit looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And I think believers everywhere can agree on, on at least that. That's what a life empowered by the Holy Spirit looks like. And we're only going to talk about one of those attributes today. And 
also, we're since we're in a series on communication, we're going to look at it in light of communication. So we're going to look at love, and we're going to bring that together with communication. And to do that, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And that verse says this. It says, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ himself. Now, love is the evidence of the Holy Spirit empowering us to accomplish the will of God. It's a decision we make, and the Holy Spirit grows that in us, and he matures us in that. And one of the evidences of that is speaking the truth in love in all of our communication. Tell the truth. I can't emphasize that enough. Truth is so powerful. When we speak the truth in love, of course, that means scripture. You know, we think, okay, the truth, we think the truth, the truth of God's word, but it means in everything we say. And I remember when I when I first met my wife, and I was not an honest man back then. I lied a lot, especially to women, even when there was no real reason to lie. Relationships were often difficult and short-lived. Um, and I had them lie to me. It was just a, a bad cycle. And I would lie about anything, even if I thought it would, or if I thought it would benefit me in some way, I would lie about it. And I didn't really care. But when I met my wife, I decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. I was going to tell her the truth, even if it was difficult. And from that decision to operate from that foundation of telling the truth, we've built a good marriage. We just recently celebrated um, 29 years of marriage, and it's it's been a good marriage. Partway into our marriage, when I had accepted Jesus, when I was saved, I think we'd been married for about 10 years at the time, uh, the Holy Spirit began to work in me and grow that decision to tell the truth. Um, and, you know, our marriage has grown and gotten better over time. But had I lied to my wife when we were just getting started, um, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. But a fruit of a life empowered by the Holy Spirit is love. And one way that is manifested is in our communication. When we are in submission to the Holy Spirit and He is empowering us, our communication will be truth spoken in love. Tell the truth and do it in love. And I, I can't say that enough. Say that enough. Satan is the father of lies. God does not empower a lie. Uh, it misses the mark that he has set for us, and a lie is not the result of the Holy Spirit working in you. And people lie for different reasons. Sometimes we lie to impress people, or we lie to avoid difficult situations, or we lie to avoid trouble, whatever it might be. But anytime we lie, lies are very destructive. And sometimes people speak lies just in passing and in casual speech. And they're so used to doing it, they don't even really think about it. And it's something we need to work on. Um, I, I mean, I'll be very frank about it. I've known a lot of believers that do the same thing. I've heard them talk, and I, I know for sure that what they're saying is a lie. And there's really no reason to lie. But when you hear someone lie, it makes you suspicious about believing what that person says from then on. Not telling the truth is very corrosive. So you can imagine you know, it doesn't take a lot to put together that if you are someone who lies, 
and you're also trying to carry on the mission of Jesus, that's just not going to work out. People aren't going to believe what you say. They don't have any reason to trust you. So not telling the truth is very corrosive. It erodes trust. It erodes respect. Don't lie. Speak the truth in love. And when you do say things, because it is so easy just to allow things to roll off our tongue and and not give it any serious thought, but think about this. Is what I am saying certainly true? Because sometimes we say things that may or may not be true, but we treat them like they are and we present them like they are. And there are often ways people lie that are subtle and so well-practiced that they don't even think about it anymore. Sometimes people become so good at lying that they convince themselves that their own lies are true. But trust, it's difficult to gain and easy to destroy. And if you're in a marriage, especially if you're a man, um, one of the things I've learned in working with couples, you know, and studying that before, you know, like in pre-marriage courses and things like that is how important it is for a woman that you tell her the truth. Um, she needs to know she can trust you. Even if it's difficult or hard to hear, you still need to tell the truth. It's important that you do so. Don't lie to protect her. That that is it's still destructive. Tell the truth. Lies are always destructive. As a parent, don't lie to your kids. Tell them the truth in love. Um, I've heard some pretty crazy stories about the things people have told kids when relatives had died or, you know, pets have died and just uh, don't lie. Don't lie. It's not going to do them any good because then they're going to grow up and they're going to question other things you've said. So tell them the truth. But of course, some things are age appropriate. You know, I'm not saying you have to (laughs) uh, uh, fill them in about everything. Uh, Some things are age appropriate and some are not. And it's okay to say, I'll explain that when you're older, if that is true to say that truth can be harsh and that's why we're instructed to speak the truth in love. And sometimes that's a way when we hear that statement, speak the truth in love. That's what we think about is speaking truth in such a way that it's going to do the least amount of harm possible. Um, but it's more than that. There's more to it than that. Speaking the truth in love is just something we should do every day. Sometimes we should ask ourselves, am I trying to communicate truth Or am I trying to just win an argument? And today in the world we live with our technology, the anonymity of the internet sometimes uh, turns people into something they're not. It's kind of like when they get behind the uh, wheel of a car or they get behind a keyboard, they, they change and become something different. But we need to ask ourselves, am I trying to communicate truth or am I trying to win an argument? Um, Sometimes something I say might be true, but am I speaking the truth in love or am I speaking the truth in anger? And we should ask ourselves, is what I say both true and am I speaking that truth in love? We should ask ourselves those questions and then we should answer ourselves truthfully when we answer those questions. Lies can damage relationships. They can hurt people. Um, including our relationship with God. Lies are not told in obedience to God. Lies do not cooperate with God. Um, They don't work with his plan. 
and they hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Truth spoken in love is done in obedience and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. To do these things, to live life as a Christian, to speak the truth in love, we must live in obedience to God and submit to his will in our lives. And we often try to do those things under our own power. You know, we try to do it under our own strength, our own mental abilities, physical abilities, moral abilities. And we struggle and fight with our own will when what we need to do is turn away from that and submit ourselves to God's will. And in understanding that, to better understand that, I want want to leave you with this thought today. The Holy Spirit doesn't make the Christian life better. He makes it possible. So if you want to live life as a Christian, if you want to live in obedience, if you want to speak the truth in love, the Holy Spirit makes that possible. And the only way you're going to gain that and achieve that mission that Jesus has for us is by submitting yourself to him and letting him direct your life. Well, I hope you find that helpful. And it really is my goal to study and share and hopefully give you something that you can apply in your life that is useful for you. And if it is, if you do find it helpful, awesome. And maybe you could share it with someone who, someone else who might find it helpful. But thanks for tuning in. And I'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great week. I'll be praying for you.